0: Over the last three years, opioid deaths in California have spiked 121%, with many of those deaths attributed to fentanyl. Joining us to discuss is Anna B. Ibarra, a health reporter for nonprofit newsroom Cal Matters. Her work has also appeared in the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, USA Today, and other state and national news outlets. Anna is the lead reporter on Cal Matters' latest in-depth report on the opioid crisis in our state, called California's Opioid Deaths Increased by 121% in Three Years, What's driving the crisis? Good morning, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Cap. Anna, fentanyl has become the big boogie word in the news when we're talking about drug overdoses, uh, but not sure that a lot of folks in the mainstream know really what it is. Walk us through. What is fentanyl?
1: So fentanyl is what we know as a synthetic opioid. Um, I will say that fentanyl has been around, or should say, pharmaceutical fentanyl has been around for many, many years, and it was. Um, first came around as a way to treat uh, pain for cancer patients, um, and so we, you know, we hear, we can hear uh, pharmaceutical fentanyl use like in in a hospital setting. Um, illicit fentanyl, though, is uh, chiefly manufactured fentanyl, uh, obviously not regulated. Um, that is now being um, sort of laced into other street drugs, making it uh, making them much more dangerous. Uh, we know that uh, fentanyl is very, very strong. Um, it is about uh, 50, 50 times stronger than heroin. So the, the concern is that, you know, it doesn't take a, a whole lot to overdose. And, and, in, uh, and partly that's why, you know, we are seeing the crisis that we're seeing.
0: And um, am am I right in because because I, I think that that is part of what confuses people a little bit, right? Because we know that there there are folks that um, utilize you know fentanyl as their substance of choice daily. Its impact on whether or not you OD or get very very sick has to do with body size, weight, length of usage, et cetera. Is that right? Correct.
1: Um, we know approximately the me- the, the measurements that um, or the. Uh, amounts of, we saw from the CDC is about two milligrams can be lethal um, we know that it is uh, you know highly addictive and you know because it is uh, cheaper to produce than some other drugs is, is why we're seeing it sort of laced into some of these other drugs but you're right it really obviously depends on the intake and and people's, uh, uh how much people can 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 take for example
0: and, and I, like when we when first started hearing about uh, fentanyl and overdoses, we, we heard about it primarily in terms of, you know, being laced in cocaine. Um, but mm-hmm. there are now, or I'm learning newly, like different ways it shows up. Can you talk about the synthetic opioid pills being laced by fentanyl?
1: Yeah. So, you know, what we're hearing about is uh, fentanyl being laced into tablets. Um, that could be made uh, to look like, you know, uh, anything like a Xanax pill, oxyco- oxycodone. Um, there is, uh, you know, drug street drug trends are ever changing. Um, the latest being uh, what we're hearing from public health officials is the use of uh, fentanyl uh, mixed with uh, xylazine, which is a, um, uh, uh, or also known as Trank, uh, that is. As a sedative that uh, used for vet, uh, by veterinarians, so very strong stuff. Um, part of the concern there is that you know xylazine is not an opioid, so things like naloxone, Narcan wouldn't reverse its effects. Um, that is just I mean one of the latest trends. But you're right, uh, you know fentanyl in the form of powder, for example, can be added to pills to be to be made to look like uh, some other tablets.
0: I mean, that just seems I'm I'm digressing here, but I just think you're right Mm -hmm. that folks that that work in the underground economy selling substances, it seems you want your client base to be around. And this seems just nefarious, almost that folks are lacing. Um, substances with fentanyl because it doesn't seem to me and correct me if I'm wrong right I don't know much about this particular drug you know we know that like things like cocaine right get cut with other substances in order to increase the quantity Mm -hmm. and thus increase profit but that doesn't seem like the reason for lacing things with fentanyl or am I wrong
1: well I think one of the 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 reasons uh we may be seeing this uh in my understanding is that because it is uh cheaper to produce, right? Um, you can lease fentanyl into other drugs. And that for dealers, that could mean a uh, greater profit margin, for example. So, okay. uh, you know, that, that could be one reason that, that I've uh, read about.
0: Okay. The opioid crisis was once rooted in drugs like Oxycontin um, and the like. How and when did the shift happen that allowed fentanyl to take main stage here?
1: Yeah, so one thing that I learned and sort of kind of digging into some of the history here is really these waves of the opioid crisis that we've seen. So we know that in the 90s, for example, the big concern was the prescription opioid crisis uh, where, you know, um, in terms of people um, trying to get a hold of more prescription opioids, uh, abusing the use and becoming addicted. Um, in a way that led to uh, a second wave um, in the early 2000s, let's say uh, 2010, uh, around that area, around that time, about um, where we started to see an uptick in heroin use. And from my research, it seems like we people who started to become really addicted to prescription opioids were then turning to to heroin and other street do- right. street drugs. Um, and then around um, 2015, uh, the CDC reported what you know as a third wave, and it started to report an increase in um, in sentinel use. And in California, um, the public health department keeps this tracker of uh, of. Opioid uh, overdoses and, and, and deaths. And in California, we saw that fentanyl overdoses started to uptick around 2018, 2019. And in just three years, as you mentioned at the top of the segment, um, opioid deaths had more than doubled. Um, by the end of 2021, the state was telling more than 7,000 overdose deaths, uh, primarily from fentanyl. Um, and so, for perspective, you know, the way uh, sometimes we put it is more people die from overdoses that year than from car accidents. So it's really taken on kind of a, a lead cause of, of death here.
0: That was going to be actually My next question was to help listeners understand understand the scope of the problem and particularly in relationship to annual numbers of car accidents. You mentioned, and, and this is actually when I first um, got terrified of opioids and OxyContin. I had a lung surgery in 2015 and was, was subscribed to oxycodone and um, could go to the doctor and he would just say, what's your pain level? And I would say 10 and he'd hand me another prescription. And I was watching mm-hmm. the special that showed the, the direct link between folks that, you know, had gotten addicted to Oxycontin and it leading directly to heroin, um, which immediately made me demand a stair step down. Is there a direct connection between folks that get addicted to fentanyl moving on to things like heroin or, or other street drugs? Um,
1: from what I've read, there is a connection of people just when um, seeking, um, trying new drugs i mean the um from what i read is that people can become resistant um, or can uh, become more um uh, they can become more um as they become more addicted they also seek a can seek a greater high they can um like i said become resistant resistant to some drugs and be able to take on a stronger drug Um, And so what we know about fentanyl, because it is so strong and so addictive, it is in a way sort of driving that uh, growth and that demand uh, uh, for for, for, for this new drug.
0: We talked about the waves of the opioid epidemic, and when it first hit, it was largely considered a white rural person's issue. What are the demographics that are being most impacted now in California and what parts of the state are being hardest hit?
1: Yeah. Um, from, so, among the most affected are males, um, Black and Native American people, and people in the thirty to thirty-four year old age range. Um, and so, primarily, uh, the most most of the overdose deaths are coming from obviously the most more populous counties. But it really has reached every corner of California. And if you if you look at um, overdoses um, by uh, uh, high by rates, um, you know, you, you do see that counties like Lake, Humboldt, Mendocino County um, have some of the highest rates of, of opioid mortality. Um, that's according to, you know, the state's public health department. Um, but of course, like I said, overall, when we looked at the just the the, uh, the overall burden and the, the greatest um, amount of deaths, those are coming from, you know, counties like uh, Los Angeles and San Diego, uh, Riverside, uh, some of the more populous counties. And, and of course, San Francisco, we've seen, we've seen a lot of um, big impact in that area as well.
0: You state in your article that since taking office, Governor Gavin Newsom and his administration have spent more than a billion dollars in an attempt to rein in the opioid and fentanyl epidemic. Um, Half of that money comes from the feds uh, for prevention, treatment, and recovery. Um, The state, 416 million from its own general fund. But then we've got money from opioid manufacturers, distributors, and their partnering consulting firms. Talk about the lawsuits um, that are helping in part fund the fight against the opioid crisis.
1: Yeah, so the state so far um, has received about $133 million from opioid manufacturers um, and, like you said, distributors and consulting firms uh, as part of settlements uh, for pretty much their part- participation in the prescription opioid crisis. Um, so sort of what we were talking about earlier, what we saw in the 90s, early 2000s, we're now starting to see that um, um Settlements from some of those lawsuits. Um, Perhaps the the most notable, because it was one of the bigger ones, um, Johnson and Johnson and three wholesale distributors um, uh, agreed to a national settlement settlement uh, where they'll be paying about twenty six billion over the next uh, few years, and uh, California will receive just over two billion of that through twenty twenty eight, and so. A lot of that money is going directly to cities and counties who were also part of these uh, lawsuits. Um, and uh, but California is receiving uh, some of the, the state as its, uh, uh, the state's public health departments, uh, for example, are receiving some of that money that they are supposed to be using or are using for um, things like, uh, you know, mental education program, substance use disorder, uh, training for doctors. Um, Uh, They're using it to purchase more naloxone um, and, you know, fund uh, data collection efforts like the ones we are using to, uh, you know, have such data uh, available to the public.
0: All right, let's talk about naloxone for a minute. I, uh, just last month, as a matter of fact, was in Montana Mm -hmm. and had to go to the emergency room and for some severe pain, and I was prescribed hydrocodone, which is in the family of Oxy. The second prescription that came with it, though, was for naloxone, which wasn't Mm. covered by my insurance, which I found fascinating. I had never had that experience before. I didn't realize that we were doing dual prescriptions, though I see the the Mm -hmm. wiseness of that. Talk about what naloxone is and what ways is it becoming more mainstream in terms of access in California?
1: Yeah, so naloxone is the overdose reversal medication, um, and it's... But I think perhaps the the tool that everyone uh, agrees is is <laughs> agrees on that is you know one of the, the probably the best tools we have to kind of combat the opioid crisis. It is um, I think most people may have seen may see it in the form of a nasal spray, but it also comes in an injectable form. Um, the reason I think it's becoming uh, more mainstream, more popular, it's you know it's been um, shown to be pretty uh, effective and safe um and so california is really pushing for its uh, for it to be more available in common public spaces and we're talking about you know uh places like schools and uh places uh like having certain certain agencies like public health departments uh fire fire departments have these sort of just uh, uh, widely available um however of course for it to be used um more widely Naloxone needs to be affordable and easy to access. Um, and so, you know, part of what California is doing is um, trying to distribute and and, and make, um, we have, for example, legislation that would make Naloxone um, uh, be covered by insurance. As, as you mentioned, that could be one barrier um, because, you know, with, without insurance, it could be pretty pricey. Um, from yeah. what I researched, we're looking at about maybe $150 without insurance.
0: Exactly. Um, and,
1: and we know any cost, of course, is, is a barrier. So that's one effort where where California is trying to produce, manufacture its own naloxone, make it cheaper. And then we have legislation, like I said, to try to get naloxone covered by insurance as well.
0: Yeah, in fact, the, the, the clerk, the pharmacist, right, was like, oh, just don't fill the second one because it's going to cost too much money. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. but I had her fill it because it is good practice for all of us to be walking around with naloxone mm. and Narcan. Mm-hmm. I can tell you as a parent of a teenager, I've had it in my house since she was in middle school. Um, luckily never mm-hmm. have had to use it. Um, we've talked about the dollars being used for prevention and intervention. Let's talk about law enforcement as we watch San Francisco in particular, try to arrest its way out of the drug crisis yet. Once again, what happens to someone if they are caught with fentanyl?
1: So if they're caught with fentanyl, there are certain um, current laws that, um, you know, do this provide some sort of um, uh, sentencing. This could vary by counties. You know, some counties are um, are, are enforcing or um, this at a, at a higher rate. Um, so for just one example, um, you know, there is uh, an LFA... You know the enforcement part of this my colleague uh, our justice reporter he you know focused on this and one thing i learned from him was um, at least one county placer county has um, prosecuted fentanyl dealers with um, harsher punishments that include in at least one instance adding a murder charge and from my understanding this is the first conviction of its kind in the state um and we have had uh legislation this year where legislators are trying for harsher punishments like adding um uh uh, uh like uh being able to more easily add uh, murder charges for example to um convictions those bills uh, have n- not made it pa- um have not made it through this year they've been they were um uh, killed earlier in the in the session um with the legislature really focusing on some of these uh i guess public health efforts um and and harm reduction efforts um but yes a lot of it depending on the the county i i,
0: I hear you when you said your colleague dealt with some of the carceral responses um but but i gotta i gotta get your response on this mm-hmm. uh in an article uh, that by producer Jesse Strauss put up yesterday, there was a recent news nation town hall where London Breed mm-hmm. alcolyte San Francisco supervisor Matt Dorsey said, and i 'll remind people that Matt Dorsey was a former communications officer for the San Francisco Police Department, um, but Matt Dorsey says that arresting drug dealers and users is a first step because intervention can begin in jail. He said mm. he 's working with Breed to put money into the budget for. <laughs> jail health, that is a direct quote, as San Francisco was starting to arrest people who are brazenly using drugs on the street. He also likened the uh, opioid epidemic, the fentanyl crisis uh, in San Francisco to the AIDS crisis, which by the by, Mm. black folks in San Francisco are still suffering from. First of all, do you have any idea what jail health is? Um, And your thoughts to this type of mentality? I mean, from where I said, I mean, clearly, you know, the politics of me in this show. We've tried this before. We've tried to arrest people um and 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 use the carceral state to get us out of the drug epidemic it didn't work in the 80s it didn't work in the 90s and it doesn't appear that it's working now
1: Mm. yeah that has been pretty much the crux of some of the um debates in the in the legislature is you know whether we really push for increasing punishment putting more people in jail or if we focus on you know these public health measures. Um, for the most part, Democrats have been pushing for more, uh, like we talked about prevention. Um, and you have, you know, for Republicans and, and some moderate Democrats, say, you know, that's not enough. We want to see increased punishment for traffickers and dealers. Um, like you said, very much the argument from people that I've talked to, whether it be public health professionals and um, even some law um, enforcement, you know, they, they do acknowledge that, you know, this, this, this problem now is so prominent that what could happen is that we fill up our prisons again um, without necessarily getting to the root of the problem, right? Um, which is, as long as you have people with untreated addictions, there will be demand. As long as you there is money to be made, you'll have a supply. So, um, you know, there, there definitely is that, um, the, I think that the, the, the debate and the question of, you know, whether more, more filling up more prisons helps, that I think is, is, is kind of what this whole debate in the legislature is about, that, you know, we're like just saying, we've seen it before. Um, we really need to get, I guess, to, to, to the root of the problem um, uh, to, to be able to kind of expand on, on some of the um, I guess safety public measures.
0: Yeah, some of us would say getting the root of the problem is addressing the the mental, emotional, psychological and spiritual impact for folks of color living in this country. Um, you talked a little bit about legislation and some of the, the more intensely carceral uh, pieces of legislation did not pass. But can you walk us through maybe just a couple of bills that did like fentanyl testing strips at college or school fentanyl warnings?
1: Sure. So, um, some of the bills that are making it so far for the legislature, you know, we have until uh, pretty much September. But um, yes, uh, fentanyl uh, increasing the access of fentanyl test strips by making them available like at colleges—that is one that is moving forward. Um, we have um, a bill, one bill that has made it all the way through and signed by Governor Newsom last week is a bill that would require schools to provide. Um, notifications and uh, education to parents about the fentanyl crisis, um, that, that bill, like I said, has been signed. Um, there is um, other bills that I've seen several bills around, um, you know, teenagers and young adults. So one that would provide training for high schoolers on how to use naloxone um, and how to watch for um, overdoses. Um, that is a bill that is, you know, moving forward. Um, and then another bill that would make um, naloxone um, cover, get, be covered by your health insurance, that is, that is another one um, that uh, um, is also uh, m- moving forward at this time.
0: Ana Ibarra, I mean, I mean incredibly well-researched article uh, by you and your colleagues. From all of the research, conversations, reading, et cetera, that you've done, any thoughts on what we should be doing?
1: Yeah, I think you know at this point um, we we have some tools that we know work. Um, I mean, expanding what we what we know works, for example, I, I think that is one of the things that um, really the the uh, in, in which the legislature is doing right. Um, being able to expand access to some of the tools like naloxone, like these testing strips. Um, I think that, I mean, it's, it's maybe not every, not the whole answer, but it is the key part. Um, and I think that, like you, we've mentioned, you know, as long as you have costs, as long as you have barriers and as long as they're not widely available, I mean, you know, there's, it's going to be, we're going to continue to see unfortunately um, see overdoses. I mean, there's, if you have these tools available, but they're not, um, I guess, easily accessible, I should say, they, we, you know, they're only going to go so far. So, um, yeah, I think for now, you know, growing and, and expanding what the, the tools that we do um, know
0: work. All right. We've got to leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on the show this morning. Thank you for having me. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.